Vox Quick Hits. A bunch of your dad's favorite songwriters have been selling off their songs. Late last year, Bob Dylan sold the rights to more than 600 of his songs to Universal Music for an estimated $300 million. Shortly after that, Neil Young sold 50% of the rights to his 1,000-plus songs to a British investment firm. Stevie Nicks sold off 80% of her publishing rights. Lindsey Buckingham went with 100%. And just last week, Paul Simon sold off his entire catalog to Sony. COVID has probably expedited the thinking for a lot of these legends. Touring's out, merch is out, everyone's sitting at home streaming, which has dramatically increased the value of back catalogs. Instead of dying and having everyone come out of the woodwork to fight over the rights to their music, a la Prince, Aretha Franklin, and Tom Petty, artists are cashing out before they dip. Call it end-of-life planning. But... All the while, one of the biggest singer-songwriters working in popular music today, maybe the biggest, is doing something very different. At what you could argue is the artistic peak of her career, Taylor Swift is re-recording her first six albums. And she's doing it because she's in a very different place than the singer-songwriters of yore. Taylor Swift doesn't own the rights to her first six albums. But by re-recording them and convincing fans to listen to the new versions, she can win back the rights to her music. Shirley Lee wrote about Taylor Swift's gambit for The Atlantic. She says it's a big deal for two reasons. Reason one. I think it's important for the business at large because this is something that a lot of musicians and artists wouldn't really attempt to do. So if she can really do this, re-record everything, and have it be successful, that's kind of a proof of concept for other pop stars to do the same thing, to own their work fully. Reason two. Creatively speaking, it's interesting to see how an artist reinterprets their previous work. And for her, as someone whose music is diaristic, is based on her life, it'll be interesting to see how she reinterprets the past Taylor. Full disclosure, Shirley's a fan. They call themselves Swifties. I am now a Swifty, and I have been a Swifty in the past, but I will say that my Swiftiness has waxed and waned over the years. She's had a long career. It's true. She's only like 31, and and she already has like, what, nine albums? So... Let's talk about where this story begins. How does Taylor come to want to re-record the first six of them? The timeline is a little bit blurry here, but let's just say around the time of her peak, her world domination with the album 1989. That was back in like 2014. She drops that album. This one's got like blank space for all the people at home. This is when she becomes Taylor Swift, pop star, and she's building up her squad. And she ends up becoming perhaps a little overexposed shortly before the Grammy Awards, shortly before she wins Album of the Year for a second time in her career. Kanye West, who she also has a very long history with, he's the artist who interrupted her acceptance speech way back when in 2009. But they made up. It was all good. Now, before this Grammy, (laughs) he releases a song called Famous. Oh, 
my south side niggas that know me best I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex Why? I made that bitch famous Goddamn! I made that bitch famous um, in which he claims that he made her famous because of that incident in 2009. But basically, she takes offense to the fact that he claimed that he made her famous and also the fact that he calls her a bitch in the song. So she didn't like any of that. And during her speech at the Grammys, she expresses how she, her fame, her success is not owed to anybody else except for herself. He... <laughs> And his wife uh, then release a video in which she can be heard over the phone approving the lyrics, but not specifically the lyric that calls her a bitch. That feud is back on. What happens next is Taylor kind of disappears. Everyone is going onto her social media feeds, leaving the snake emoji calling her a snake. Kim is calling her a snake. Her reputation, which is then the name of her next album, is... You know, <laughs> destroyed in her perspective, in Taylor's perspective. And I think we have to go through all of this because Kanye at that time, as far as we know, was managed by Scooter Braun. And who is Scooter Braun? Scooter Braun is a music executive who manages a lot of artists you probably have heard of or have listened to. Justin Bieber being the big one. I got my peaches out in Georgia. Oh, yeah, shit. I get my weed from California. That's that's Ariana Grande being another one. Thought I'd end up with Sean, but it wasn't a match. More recently, Demi Lovato. So he has a lot of influence in the music industry. And he's got a relationship with Kanye West mm -hmm. at a time when Kanye West has a lot of beef with Taylor Swift. Yes. In terms of what Scooter Braun's looking for, he's a businessman. He is, he's a big music executive. He's always looking for opportunities to expand his portfolio. And Scott Borchetta, the owner of Big Machine Records, Taylor's old record label, she was basically Big Machine. She was the main artist over there. And Scott Borchetta is looking to, I guess, unload, you know, an artist who is no longer really operating in the country space. So when in 2019, Scooter Braun then purchases Taylor's library, her first six albums owned by her old record label, Taylor sees this as something that she cannot stand for. How much does it cost to buy the rights to Taylor Swift's first six albums, including 1989? Hundreds of millions of dollars. About a reported 300 million. And how much of that does Taylor Swift get? Zero. Mm. She responds with a letter that she posts to social media explaining how Scooter Braun, to her, is someone who has been a bully in the past and who would be the last person that she would want owning her music and making money off of it. Hmm. It sounds like she doesn't have a lot of love for Scooter Braun, but is he really doing anything terribly untoward here? I mean, or is he just a businessman doing business things? Oh, man. I think if you ask a hardcore Swifty, it's the former. <laughs> if you look at it <laughs> from a business perspective, it's very much the latter. It's Scooter Braun being the businessman he's always been. A little over a year after he acquired the rights to 
Taylor Swift's back catalog, he sold them to a private equity firm called Shamrock Capital. So then he made about $300 million off of that deal. So again, businessman doing business. In the deal with Shamrock, he managed to still be siphoning off some of whatever profits come from licensing that old music. So the next step she takes is she decides to re-record those first six albums. But it will ultimately be up to fans about which version to listen to, the old version or the new version, right? And there's something very powerful here when it comes to nostalgia. If your ear is keen enough, you're going to hear a difference. And both versions might end up being on streaming platforms like Spotify or Apple Music or whatever it's called at this point. And fans will have the ultimate choice here. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. I think... um you know, her most devoted fans have seen this as a chance to take a moral stand. So they're going to be the ones who are really looking at which version they'll be listening to. They've probably already removed, you know, the old versions off of their Taylor Swift playlists. And I think what we're seeing with Taylor's music is that she understands it's not just the song. She really wants to get her fans on board with the idea that she is in this process with them. That nostalgia is not just about the art itself, but it's about your connection to the art. I think this entire endeavor is an example of how Taylor Swift is not just an artist, but also a shrewd businesswoman, which I think has always been there, right? Her her father is a businessman. She's picked up some tricks, I think, over the years. But I think this just goes to show she's both uh, able to go tit for tat with a businessman and continue to be a creative storyteller through her music. What's that like? That was an excerpt of Today Explained. To hear the whole enchilada and others like it, check out Today Explained wherever you check out your podcasts.